Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. This is the voice of your host, Misty Stinnett, and that is the deafening silence of your absent host, Lisa Linky. She is doing some coaching work today. So this is going to be a different kind of episode. Normally, this is the podcast where we read and review a popular self-help book every single Friday, and we give you the highs, the lows, the tips, the tricks, the ups, the downs, the boogies, and the woogies. You know what I'm saying. I don't have to clarify. The point is we're reading the book so that you don't have to, and in under an hour, you will know if the book is worth your time, if you should dive deeper into it, or if you should avoid it at all costs because it's going to make your life crash and burn, right? Also, question any and all dichotomies that anyone sets up for you. And then on Tuesdays, we check in on our homework from any books that we were assigned, which is now on our Patreon, and we explore anything and everything on Tuesday episodes, also lovingly called The Weekly Beef, that's not self-help. Supplemental material, guests, articles, thought-provoking questions, trivia, it's all there so that we can all grow together and laugh at some of the ridiculousness that's out there. But today, oh my friends, today is a special and very unusual episode. Today, I am joined by career coach and startup founder whisperer, Tracy Padell. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Misty. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I love that you re-mentioned that it was a comedy podcast because now I'm like, oh, wait, I can just be funny. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if you have a choice, please always choose to be funny, you know, and I think almost every situation could use a little bit of humor. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. So Tracy, I already know you and I'm a huge fan of you, but I'm going to tell our listeners a bit about you and why I'm so excited for you to come on the podcast today. So here's a quick little snippet of what Tracy is all about. So Tracy specializes in working with high-achieving women, startup founders, executives, and emerging leaders who want to deeply develop their leadership and communication skills. This allows them to be powerfully seen and heard in the workplace from a balanced and self-supportive space. As a partner in the consulting firm Evolution, Tracy has had the privilege of working with startup companies like Slack, Scopely, Dropbox, and dozens of others. She has enjoyed leading and consulting with marketing teams at several entertainment technology companies and television networks. In 2016, she founded the Career Reinvention Lab to empower strong female leaders in the corporate world. She loves combining her startup skills and experience with her passion for coaching highly driven women so they can create sustainability, balance, and success in all areas of life. That is the coolest thing. That just sounds like the coolest career path and and job and just something that's wildly enriching. Thank you. I I love it. And uh, it's a lot of things at once, but like I love doing all of it. And I definitely feel like I'm in my like dream job, you know, that thing I didn't think was possible. Which is something I love so much about your story because you found this really niche thing that hits a lot of your passions and skill sets that you didn't think existed. And now is it fair to say that it's sort of your full-time job to help other people find the same thing? 
It's definitely a big part of what I do is helping other people like be fulfilled in their work. Right. That's huge. And like the other chunk of what I do is, is helping people be empowered and effective in their work. So, and I think that all kind of goes together, right? If you're not empowered and you're not effective then you're probably not fulfilled, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I know that you help coach CEOs and startup founders, but also a big part of your work is coaching particularly women in career transitions or like you just said, like finding more fulfillment at the jobs they already have. So this is why I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today to kind of set the context for everybody. I feel like this pandemic has obviously shifted the workplace in irrevocable ways. And the conversations that I'm having among the people that I know are that either jobs have been involuntarily taken away from us, or we're finding that this is a clean break to maybe consider a new career, or we're going, okay, I finally realized what's important to me. Is this the career path I want to stay on? So a lot of questions about the shifting nature of what people personally want to do for work or what the workplace looks like, or if they want to double down on the careers they have. So that's why I'm so excited to have you on today in lieu of a book review, because I feel like this is just something that's on a lot of our minds. Yeah. I think the pandemic is really putting just life in perspective for people, you know, from many different ways, but it's fortunately a lot of my clients and companies I work with, they've all been able to work remotely because they're startup and they're tech and they've mostly all been doing fine, you know, right. like hiccups yeah. and, and shifts, but like they're doing okay now. And then for the individual worker, it's like, yeah, like life is short, you know? Mm. And then if, if you're working from home and then you're realizing like, wait, this is, if your tendency is to make your job your entire life and you're probably doing that like even worse initially, initially, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And then I think there's also just some loneliness that's happening. Like, you, you know, and if you're not having that connection at work or even if you have a spouse or someone at home, like, I don't know, there's just a feeling of less meaning when we have less distractions and less interactions. And yes. I don't know, I think it's just putting life in perspective. And certainly some people now have the time to reflect and then others are just like working moms. And I'm like, they're like, why are we not performing the way I was? And I'm like, you have two little children at home. Like, why are you asking me? Um, like, Life is not the same that it was before. Yeah. And, and, and you've got to work to stay sane, like your mental health and your physical health and all that stuff that was just as important before. I think in extremes, it really comes into focus how important that is. Right. Yeah. And sometimes when we're most challenged is when we put in the most effort to make it happen. And sometimes that's when we create the new habit. So. Yeah. Yeah. And everything you're saying really resonates with my experience as well. Before the pandemic, I was reporting to an office every single day and getting all those meaningful interactions. And it felt like there was extra momentum in what I was doing and extra meaning because there was like an action to it, you know, and that delineation between leaving my house and being at work. <laughs> But all the downtime is definitely, as you know, because full disclosure, Tracy 
coached me. You've coached me twice now. We've had two coaching conversations about my own career. And I've had a lot to think about, about what I actually want to do and don't want to do in the quietude that this has brought. So I just really relate to that. So I want to ask you some questions about just your work and what the career coaching process looks like. So what are some of the most common pain points you see in careers or like what are the things your clients are typically dissatisfied with when they come to you for coaching? Yeah, I think one is they don't feel like they're as successful as they want to be. Right. Mm. And so that, so that's part of it. The other is they're like, yeah, I look successful on paper, but I'm not. Oh, you asked me for one thing. I'm going to give you like five. (laughs) No, please. Oh my God. We want it all. We all want it all. Lay it on us. So the, the, the other one I was going to say is like my job listed in, on paper, like I'm working at Facebook and blah, 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 but like, I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I have no idea what I want to do next. And like, how do I even figure that out? You know? And I know that one very well because, you know, I was there. I mean, there's also like the imposter syndrome and just dealing with toxic work environments or people being reactive at work or you being reactive to other people and all that emotional intelligence stuff that is a huge part of being a leader. There's two things we focus on. We're like, you know, what do you really want to do? And then the other part we focus on is like all the stuff that happens around when you're doing it, like, who are you doing it with? And how are those relationships? And like, are you thriving in, in the environment that you're in? And what kind of environment do you really want to be in? And, you know, all those types of questions, because you could be like, here's my dream job, you know, in this one sentence, but in reality, in practice, like all those things kind of got to go together in order for you to feel fulfilled. Oh yeah. That really hits hard because I feel like I have had jobs that look incredible on paper and I've been going into like a toxic work environment every single day where I don't feel safe to contribute or it just is wearing on me and I feel so sapped of energy at the end of the day or yeah, it's the worst because it's, it's confusing. You're going like, oh, but I got the thing. Why am I unhappy? And then the inverse of that of like, oh, I have this job that's maybe not very esteemed, but my coworkers are amazing. I feel free to be myself. The work-life balance is there. And that feels incredible. But I know that's not the task I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And too often it feels like maybe it's a binary. I feel like it's it's harder to find mm. all the aspects in one place. And I, I know a lot of it. Like immediately my mind goes, oh, but how could I help create those aspects? But you can only do so much if you're not someone who can actively affect the culture or leadership, right? I mean, I think everyone can actively affect the culture, but like, yeah, it's depending on where you're at. Like if you have toxic leadership, it's like doesn't hold like your values. Like there's not much you can, you can try, you know, you can work. And I even hate to just say toxic leadership, like it just is, Right. We can work on communication and we can, there's so much to be done around there to shift out of that. But if you're not in that role to do it, it can be hard, you know? And it's also just might not be a toxic culture. It might just not be a good culture fit for you. Yeah. And that's something that you also work on as well, right? Culture creation in companies. Yeah. You know, at Evolution, we work with a lot of leadership teams. Like we went into Slack when it was like 50 people and like design their culture code with them, right? Oh, that's Um, so cool. And now we coach like a lot of their leaders. 
and have helped them design different programs and so forth. But, you know, there's like, especially at the early stage, it's never too early to start working on your culture. And that kind of starts with the co-founder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, either the founder or the co-founder and their values, their mission, their purpose. And then if there's two of them, which there usually are, like their relationship with each other, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, that's huge. So I'm curious, what are the most common roadblocks you see to finding career happiness, both internal and external? I think, you know, a lot of the ones I address are internal and then I'll talk to the external, but like, I think that, and I say that because I think it's the biggest barrier. So people think that they have to know exactly what they want to do before they can take action around discovering what's next. Mm-hmm. They wait for clarity. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm raising my hand very high, asking for a friend. Heard of that. <laughs> it, you can see me raising my hand too. Like I sat in a job for three years and I was like not happy with, like, you know, mm. I left like the second day, like crying. I had to step outside for, you know, come back the in. The second like, day? Yeah. It's like, oh, I should have listened to myself, but it's okay. I got a lot out of it that serves what I do now. So, but I was like, I don't really know what I want to do next. So I guess I'll just apply for the next, I was in marketing. I guess I'll just apply for the next level of marketing at somewhere else at a parallel company. But like, I didn't really put my full passion behind that, you know? And because when people were like, in five years, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't, I guess I'll be a VP of, I'll be a CMO. I don't, and you can hear it in my voice. I'm not excited about this at all. <laughs> like, no, I can see it but, in your face too. But people think like, oh, I should, cause that's what is, you know, and that's all that there is. And there's nothing like, you're not supposed to feel differently about it. Or they're like, I don't feel excited about this, but like, what's my calling and what's my one thing and what's my purpose in life? And I think all of that is important. And I do do a lot of purpose work with people, but I think it's much more about what are the ingredients? Like if your career is a recipe, what are the ingredients of fulfillment for you? Because they might not all make just like one headline or one job description, right? There might be several, but once you know those elements, that are important for your fulfillment and what your strengths are and the things that give you energy and the things that you care about, like then we can really create a game plan for getting you into one of those positions. And then on the outward, like what, what did you say? You said internally and externally, externally, I would say the way people are doing job searching process sucks because 70%. (laughs) (laughs) Tell it to us straight. Don't hold back. (laughs) 70% of jobs aren't posted online, right? And then for jobs that are, a lot of them have like HR software that screens, you know, so especially if you're pivoting your career, like you'll probably get screened out. And that's not to say people won't find jobs that way. You can totally find jobs online and applying and you want to be aware of what's out there. But like the 80% that's going to make the difference of the work you do, in my opinion, is your relationships and conversations with people. Like that's the number one thing I have people do in discovery. Like, you know, we create vision and we mine from their past of what fulfills someone's strengths. And we come up with a couple ideas that they could play with. And then I say, great, go have as many conversations as you can with people in these areas, because that's where you're going to learn. You know, it's the closest thing to actually doing the thing. It's interesting, right? Because my brain goes, well, I work in entertainment. So if I wanted to pivot to something outside of entertainment, you know, 95% of the people I know also work in the same industry. You know, you and I are both here in Los Angeles. So do you have any tips for reaching out 
to people if you don't have those people in your circles? Like, I know I could go to a friend and say, hey, I know you also work in entertainment, but I'm thinking about this thing. Do you know anyone that works in this area you could put me in touch with? But say say that doesn't happen. Do you recommend like cold emailing on LinkedIn to try and set up a Zoom or a coffee? So A, I'm going to disrupt what you said and say, what about that other 5%? You know, like I'm sitting Thank in front you. of you, <laughs> your partner's sitting next to you somewhere usually like, what yeah. about that 5%? And the other thing I'll say is just like, start with people that are safe and sharing, here's what I know about what I think I want, no matter how vague it is. And those people can, can start helping you clarify as well as like a coach, but you don't want to do it by yourself. And so to answer your question, yes, there are ways to reach out on LinkedIn. And there's this thing called an informational interview. I did a lot of these, you know, if you've read like, what color is your parachute? which is a total career classic. Well, add it to the list. You know, hey, Misty, like I've always been interested in podcasting. I'd, I'd love to, you know, do you have 15 minutes where I can, you know, just hear some of your experiences and what you might recommend for getting started? And a lot of times people say yes, because like, A, it's an easy ask and B, they actually get fulfilled out of supporting other people. Now it's more helpful if that, like, if it's a warm intro, but it doesn't have to be. Like when I was... Uh, so I was an actor <laughs> and I moved to LA to do that. And a year mm-hmm. in, I was like, fuck that. And then I was like, <laughs> what do I want to do? I don't know what I want to do. And I applied for like a master's in social work. And because I had always loved the idea of ca- career coaching at like Tish or like an arts place, you know, I don't know why. And then I also applied for social media jobs because my friend had done that. Right. And through my friend, I got an internship at a startup and then that startup raised $10 million and we got like a couple million users based on a crazy Facebook algorithm boost. And they were like, we're going to teach you everything. And it was like nine men and me. And we pivoted three times like business models. And I was always in the like marketing community management. And I didn't have any like direct person above me in marketing, which happens a lot for people who works in startups, you know? So I was like, I need mentors in this. And I went on LinkedIn and I found someone who was doing marketing at a company that had been acquired by Google. I forget what it's called now. And she had pivoted from being a lawyer. And I said, Hey, I'm making this pivot. Like I see that you made this pivot from a different thing. Would you be up for talking about like how you learned and, and, you know, like resources and, and got into your position. And she said, yeah, we had a great talk for like an hour. You know, <laughs> like I think for sure you can do it cold as well. Okay. And just have as many conversations as you can until you're like, oh, this is the thing. Or these are the things. Yeah. Yeah. And just yeah. keep following those breadcrumbs, right? And awesome. being and then further clarifying your criteria and further sharing your criteria, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking this all in on a personal level as well. I'll just add one more thing. The reason you want to have conversations is because otherwise you're just talking to yourself. And talking to yourself sucks. Like, unless you're doing a very structured, journaly way, like talking to yourself is just a a bowl of mess that you might keep just like rehashing around where you are and what you want and why you suck and the same thought patterns. Yeah. 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 That's, that's great. That's great to keep in mind. Okay. So when is a good time to get career coaching? Because I understand how CEOs need help when they're stepping into a new role. I understand this idea behind effective leadership, but like, is it ever too early to get career coaching? You know, I don't 
I think so. And it's reminded me of the time I went into like my career counselor's office in college. And I was like, what if I don't want to be an actor? And they were like, statistically, you'll never be happy just doing one thing. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like as an artist, you know, Whoa. Like, you know, yeah. And then I took that test and it was like, you could be a farmer or a whatever, you know? I, don't know, like, I got on a career test I took once. They said clown, clown. <laughs> That's not a career. That's not it a is. thing. Clowning is a really legit art form, actually, which I It is a legit art one. form, but how, <laughs> what is the demand? <laughs> what is the demand not for a clown? Not as much demand. No, it's <laughs> just like, you know, very, I think probably limited success ways. But I will say, yeah. you know. You can, someone I went to college started like a clowning school in Los Angeles. Very bright, very funny dude. So here's the <laughs> other thing is like, you also like, it's helpful just to question all of your assumptions. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. oh, you can never do anything with clowns, right? Which seems really obvious, but I all, it's also worth stopping for a moment and questioning, you know? And then you also want to question like, do I like the life path of being a clown, right? Like a lot of people love performing but they don't like the life of of being an actor right and that's oh. the whole process of getting there and are you going to suffer that whole time is my question and that's not yeah. the case. some people they're like yes this is absolutely worth it for me yeah well when I moved out to Los Angeles you know more than 10 years ago I thought I wanted to be a stand-up comedian and then I realized and I was doing all the UCB courses and I was in all mm -hmm. these improv troops me too then, or oh my god I wonder if we ever like were around each other but I realized really quickly that success as a stand-up comedian meant being on the road and alone in hotel rooms for like at least two-thirds of the year. And I was like, I, that's not what I want. That's not going to make me happy. Being on stage might be really exciting and fulfilling and making a room full of people laugh, but like, fuck no to the lifestyle. So it's really interesting to consider that. I think, A, that's totally a legitimate point, right? And I'll caught up polarity because it's not a dichotomy but also like look at the comedians like look at a uh, grace helbig on youtube right she did it a different way she didn't mm, do it by going mm -hmm. to the stand club till 3 a.m or whatever and you know we right. might not compare her with kevin hart but she's done a thing you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and had a successful thing of it so it's also like worth like i remember someone told me coaching like well don't do that if you want to make money and i was like you know what now three years like full-time into this i make good money and like right. that person just believed that you could only make like 50,000 a year doing coaching. Right. And like, right. They just didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's always useful to pause and question like, is that really true? How could the opposite of that also be true? Yeah. And I think that's, that's why I love the idea of hiring a professional because look, this is a self-help podcast and Lisa and I say it all the time. Self-help is a misnomer. No one does anything alone. Truly right? You don't even bake a loaf of bread alone because you learned the technique, you know, someone figured out baking bread thousands of years ago. <laughs> you didn't do that on your own. And so this is why I love the idea of hiring a professional to help us figure this out because like you see a lot more of the playing field than maybe we see when we're emotionally invested. So it sounds like I you're saying- I didn't answer your question. Oh yeah. That's what I, <laughs> well, that's what I was about to say is it's- that. Yeah. Yeah. Please. I would say like hire a career coach when you want to shift, when you're being challenged or when you want to accelerate, you know, mm. and definitely anytime you're stepping into something new. I, I mean, you don't have to, but like, especially like, 
I work with a lot of women who like are now like first time VPs, right? And they're like, oh, am I an executive? What does it mean to be an executive? Am I coming across as an executive? Or like, yeah. I'm under a microscope, right? Now that I'm like towards the top of this, or maybe I'm running this department now, like all my actions are under a microscope and like that's its own thing, right? I have more power and influence and how do I be responsible with that? So I think any of those times are good. And, you know, I don't work with the right out of college set, but, you know, I'm sure there's great people who do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you said about anytime you want to accelerate. Cause I think in my mind, I think about like getting coaching when I'm stuck, you know, or when I need a boost, but it's like, oh no, when things are going well, that could be a great time to get a coach. Cause you're like, how can I capitalize even further? Yeah. Like people like, you know, founders of Google, Bill Gates, like athletes, think of it as Olympic athletes. They all have coaches. So like coaching, like can be thought of for like when something's wrong, but it's also just like, if you want to be top of your game, like uh, have a coach, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) yeah, because that's what all top performers do. Yes. So this brings me to my next question, which is, so what does the coaching process look like? You know, it depends on what the goal is. Um, but I'll talk about career shifts. I know that's a, a, a big theme we're hitting here for your audience. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. For me, it starts with, you know, creating a vision. I say on the scale of one to 10, 10 being the most fulfilled, one being the least, where are you now? And then we keep building up from there. So that helps us get some of these ingredients of like, what has you actually be fulfilled? And we do a deep dive into your like inner critic, which is the part of you that shuts you down on every turn, you know, and part oh, of you yeah. says you can't do that. And also the part of you that says your entire value is like inside of your career. And that's your mm-hmm. self-worth, which yeah. like I deal with, with people who are hyper successful and people who aren't, and it's a barrier for everyone. Oh. And then you're what I call your inner leader or what positive intelligence calls your sage brain, which we can actually see on your brain scans. But it's the part of you that you trust and that like knows that everything's going to be okay and that, you know, has compassion for you. And that's the part of you that's going to like create, you know, the career that you want, you know, because you can beat yourself up and create something that you want, but you're probably going to be miserable doing it. And you, you know, the thing you create will not be as awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong. A lot of successful people have like shamed and beaten and stressed themselves into success. So And from there, we say, you know, we also go into your values, we may go into your purpose, and we create a plan of action. We say, all right, three to six months out, what would have, like, what do you want to experience in your life? Who did you need to be um, in order for that to happen? And how did we know, like, some measurable milestones, and we work backwards. And I'll say, like, coaching really is about this concept of be, do, have, so that the be means your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, you know, value system is going to dictate the actions you take, the do, right? And the actions you take, what do they dictate? They dictate the results you get. So a lot of times people say, when I get this job or when I get married, I will be happy. When actually it works the opposite. Like they need to to have a, a shift in their way of being, their thoughts and feelings in order to get new results. And that's where a deep sustainable change happens. And then there's three dimensions that 
we work with also within evolution, which are based on integral theory. Let me know if I'm getting to whatever, but it's a self-help podcast. So I'm going to do it. I love, no, um, I love it. I'm so here for this. <laughs> and those are I, we, and it. And we look at, you know, any successful business or, or you know, leader as having this like three-legged stool without any one of them, the stool is going to fall over. And so the I is the leadership and how I lead myself and all of this like self-work we've talked about. The we is my relationships with others, communication, my ability to hold other people accountable and receive feedback and give feedback and all that. And then the it is like the systems and processes, you know, like, hey, go have actual conversations. Here's how you reach out on LinkedIn or here's what our OKR process looks like or here's what our revenue numbers are like. And that's the part where most people just focus all their attention but they're really missing out on like all of the steam that they could get from these other two as well. And it, and it takes all three, you know, we're not just like, I'm going to wish it. And it's going to be like, we combine shifting our being with action. And something I love that you just said that I've never heard before is this leadership idea of how do I lead myself? Cause I've never heard, I've, I mean, I think we've all heard of like self care and self compassion, but it's also like, well, how am I a leader for myself that feels different yeah and so coaching question what feels different about that for you missy uh thank you tracy (laughs) it (laughs) it makes me feel braver like when i think about leading myself it's almost like oh there's a vulnerable part of me that the braver part needs to show up for right to like ask for the promotion or How do I, like, even when it comes to something as like, oh, hey, I want to be a leader for myself, so I'm going to show up to work every day on time. I'm not going to be the person that walks in 10 minutes late, right? It feels like there's, there's, I guess what I'm feeling is more of an integrity aspect to it versus just like a kindness, gentleness aspect, like a Mm. bravery. I'm hearing a lot of power in what you're saying. And it makes me think like, instead of just like, the world is happening to me. It's like, I get to create and say how my world goes. And maybe that only starts with me, right? It's just that I will show up on time and maybe there's nothing else I can control. But guess what? I can control that. And like, that is where we get into the next level of living, I think, because we are in the mindset of we can create our lives and we can design our lives. Does that resonate with you or is that not what you were saying? No, it totally resonates. And and I think the other thing is like, anytime I think of like leadership, I think of other people. And I think so many of us are willing to not show up the best for ourselves. But when it comes to showing up for other people, sometimes we're more accountable in those ways. Oh, and always. F- <laughs> always. And so thinking of leading myself feels like there are two separate entities. There's the leader and then there's the self. So it's almost like, call it what you want, like an inner child or, yeah, just like your purest self or, you know, your your scared self, whatever that is, like thinking of having this sort of braver thing to show up for yourself just really resonates in a deep way. I think that's really powerful. It's like, it's a part of yourself. Some people call this parts work. And I think especially for creatives, we resonate with it. So we're like, oh, I can feel it in my body. Like Misty's body and face just shifted. And this is a part of myself. And I can tap into this part of myself to take on this, you know? Yeah. And when you think of 
when I think of myself as a leader for myself, it immediately makes me go like, I'm going to go to bed a half an hour earlier. <laughs> I'm going to drink more water. You see how water. that was a B shift, right? The way you view yourself, the being shifted. Yeah. And then immediately the actions came to mind. You didn't have to go like struggle. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. Right. And like trying to convince myself to go to bed a half an hour earlier, drink more water. If I'm not, if I'm just like, whatever, why do I matter? Yeah, It's exactly. not going to happen. You guys, this is why, ever, listen, we live in a virtual world. Everyone who is interested should call Tracy <laughs> for this kind of career coaching. And of course, we will put all of Tracy's information, Instagram handles, all that stuff in show notes. But I, something I do want to comment on is how surprised I was. So we've had we've had two like one hour conversations a few months apart. The first one was in October, and then the last one was just a few days ago. And I cried during both of our sessions. And I really thought coming in like, oh, career coaching is going to be like take an assessment and then we'll talk about how to revamp your resume. <laughs> but instead it was this like deeply personal, for me at least, like inner critic work because that's a big block in me like discovering the next process. And I, I just wasn't expecting it to be that personal. But the more we have conversations, including this one, the more I'm realizing like careers are deeply personal and you can't find meaning in your work if you're not willing to go there within yourself. It's just, I feel like your work is like career coaching, but a lot of therapeutic stuff. Yes. That I wouldn't advertise. <laughs> you're like, Tracy made me cry. Go coach with her. No, but it is, it's personal because that's what sustainable shifts look like. Right. You know, Yes, your resume is important. And I work with a partner that helps you do that because I don't like to do that. Um, <laughs> and like, you're going to get more bigger results by shifting your perspective on things and like getting complete with your critic and all of that. And it sounds, ooh, but it's like, actually, we're like, all the big shifts happen. So, it's, and it's worth doing. And I'd say a lot of people come and they're like, tell me what to do. And it's like, don't go to someone that just tells you what to do because like, as much as you might want that, like, it's going to be so much better if if I help you discover for yourself. And then it can give you some advice and context and experience, but like... Yeah. And just to clarify, those tears, although I was surprised by them and they felt good, like they felt true. You know, like the mm. things I was getting emotional about was like, previous disappointments in my career and I didn't realize I had such a strong inner critic and just kind of like grieving hopes I had that didn't work out. Like it all just felt really, cause it just tapped into like a, a deep truth about what I want and the hope that I'm hoping positive shifts can be made, but maybe I don't believe it right now. Right. right. And if you yeah. don't believe it can, then like, of course you're not going to want to go to bed early or wake up first in that email, you know, yeah. what's the point? Yeah. And I think I understand now like why even looking for different kinds of jobs is so paralyzing for people because there's actually deep fear, deep personal fear under the surface that maybe we're not acknowledging. And it's like, until we work through that, how are we going to make the big shifts? Yeah, so, because you might be thinking I'm not enough or I have to fix myself or I have to fix my career or something's wrong. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Yeah. Of course that's anxiety producing. Oh, yeah. So let's get into some more hopeful stuff. On average, in your experience, 
How long does a career transition take when somebody goes like, okay, I'm not happy in my job. I can't do it anymore. All the way to like, awesome. I'm excited about the new path I'm on. Yeah. I would say like one to six months. And I say that because people are in different stages. Like I'll have someone come to me and be like, I, um, and this is for like people who are like, I want to find the new job. Not like I want to level up into this next level. Then I like recommend like, let's stick together for like six months and like really have it be sustainable with all the challenges coming up. But if just like, Mm -hmm. let's figure out what's next. Then like, depending on how much work the person has done, you know, they might be like, I know I want it to be this thing, but I'm not getting any inroads and I've been trying for three years, right? That person mm-hmm. I can probably work within a month and get <laughs> some inroads. And then most people, I think it just depends. Like I ran these group programs called the Career Reinvention Lab that I created this curriculum for people who wanted to do this. And sometimes like people like in the three months of the program would like be already transitioned, you know, and the first group was like that, right? And the second group, like a couple people were, and then two people were like three or four months later, they were like, by the way, I'm in this new role. Right. So like, so it just kind of depends where in the process and path you are and how willing you are to take action. Right. And it's not a make, I'm not making someone wrong for not wanting to take action, but for some people, it's just like more at a steady pace and like a let's run at it pace, you know? Sure. Yeah. Especially if there's fear involved. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and if someone wants to go back to school and that's our, you know, I think that's a, the whole other thing, but like, but yeah, so that's my answer. I mean, that, that's <laughs> amazing because we're talking like six months, including like maybe some new discovery phases, or it sounds like definitely within a year, which is so much faster than I would have thought. Well, I'll tell you my story, which is like, I sat on three years, like, what do I want to do next? Yeah. And I did this landmark leadership program. And then the whole thing was like, don't do it by yourself. Whatever you want to do, don't do it by yourself. So I was like, great. Mm. I want to figure out what I want to do next. I'm going to create a women's career empowerment group and just empower seven other women, right? (laughs) And we'll Mm -hmm. all get together at my house twice a month. And it was in doing that, that I realized, you know, within six weeks, that this is what I wanted to do. Oh my God. Right? That's so cool. Yeah. And like, there's always new levels. And then it was like, well, where do I want to focus as a coach and blah, 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 blah. But like the new direction and like I was off to the races. That's really hopeful and exciting because I think in my mind, uh, and I know for a lot of other people, it's like, oh, well, if I try and start a new career, it will be five years before I'm to the place I want to be, or I'll have to start totally over. Or like, how do I even have those conversations? So it's just like, again, like you were saying, challenge all of your assumptions. And it's really exciting to think that like, oh no, by this time next year, I could have been six months or more into a new role that leaves me more fulfilled or more content or using more of my gifts than I thought before. Yeah. Yeah. And the key is, like you said, don't do it by yourself. There's no such thing as self-help. (laughs) There's no such thing as self-help. Don't tell anyone listening to this podcast. Tracy, what is your favorite part about being a career coach? You know, honestly, I love doing the improv with people in the coaching session and really diving into like what they're not seeing and bringing that forward and playing with Mm. different parts of people. Like you said, like, oh, here's my leader, you know, and And you're so good at that. Yeah. And then just like, it's really fun to see results. Like, I had a client make a transition this year who was like a manager at a 
at a big tech company and then in fucking April left and raised, you know, a fair amount of capital from the top VC in Silicon Valley and is now a co-founder. And I've been working with that person, you know, for a few years. And it's like, what, you know, seeing shifts like that, you know, (laughs) that that can be right. That's not something anyone would assume or tell you, you know, you can go from this level to like that in like in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Like if this is April, 2020, (laughs) I'm talking about. (laughs) That's nuts. Right. So like things like, like watching people grow and really trust themselves and become confident and And these are all, you know, everyone I work with is amazing, you know, and whether or not they believe that they are. Mm -hmm. And like, so it's cool to get to see them own it and then get the results in their life based on that shift. Yeah. And something that we were chatting about before we started rolling is that you do work with a lot of women in career coaching and transitions and executive coaching. And can you speak a little to why that is? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, it started with that women's career empowerment that I did. And I had, for myself, I had done all this, like, research on negotiating as a woman for when I was first, like, negotiating salaries, because I love asking for more money, and I love getting other people to do that as well. It's so scary. Oh, my God, it's so scary. (laughs) And as women, we tend to, like, not ask for more money. And like, I don't mean to put it on us, right? Like there's a whole lot of like misogyny within the culture and the workplace and all that, right? But I'm saying there are some stuff we can do and sometimes we're not asking for it. And so I think it started with there with just, if I worked on having women advocate for themselves and with their confidence and imposter syndrome, like somebody would double a salary in like, you know, within a year, like, or write a book or like leave a job, like, like people could really do amazing things because there were all, all this low hanging fruit around their confidence mm. and permission, like permission to ask permission. You know, the question I love is like, how good do you want to have it? Which is, I took from one of my mentors. Um, at Lemark. How good do you want to have? I want to have it really fucking good, Tracy. I right. want to have That's it a great so question. good. <laughs> right. If you don't ask, like if you ask how good can I get it? You're going to get a different life than like, how good do I want to have it? Yeah. Oh my God. I think I'm going to start asking myself that for everything, for breakfast, for everything. And that came from Jen Herda, who is also an amazing coach. So I want to cite my references. Thank you, Jen Herda. Last question to wrap it up on, because this has been amazing. And everybody, please click on the links in show notes, follow Tracy on Instagram. I will also put... Side note, Tracy has like a semi-Instagram famous dog named Steve. who's amazing. Yeah, follow him on Instagram. I don't do much on mine. Follow my email list and follow my dog on Instagram. Great. Amazing. We will put links to follow Steve on Instagram. But can you leave us with any kind of, even if it's just one little nugget of advice about reframing or thinking about imposter syndrome? Okay. So the one thing... It's like two things. One, imposter syndrome is when you feel like a fraud, even though the evidence is that you're not. And what people might be thinking is like, yeah, I noticed that in other people, but for me, I'm actually a fraud. Like it just feels real. And so I just want to encourage people to catch that if that's what they're thinking. And then there's also a version of confidence that comes 
when that we need that comes when we're doing something for the first time. So like when I'm walking across a bridge as I'm building it is the metaphor I like to use. So you might be stepping into a new role for the first time, right? You might be doing something you've never done before and you still need to feel like you trust yourself even though you've never done it before. And so it's like about trusting yourself in the discovery process and the creation process, because guess what? Most people, you know, I work with a lot of startups. Most founders have not built this company before, you know, <laughs> like right, a lot right. of us are doing something for the first time and it's okay to trust yourself in those situations too, because guess what? Not everyone knows else knows what the fuck they're doing or could tell you how to do it, you know, and it's great to have mentors and I'm going off on a tangent, but so those are some things. I don't know if that was one thing. Oh, it's super helpful. No, we'll take all the things. On behalf of all our listeners, we'll take all the things all the time. And there's an article I have on imposter syndrome that we can post to. That's just like, here are the, you know, the five different archetypes that you might show up as. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like um, really good fodder for a weekly beef to talk about. Our weekly beef is our Tuesday episodes. Right. Yes. Where we check in on all things, not books. Tracy, this was fucking amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your wisdom. Again, everybody, Tracy Padell, executive, career coach, startup whisperer, all of the things, and just amazing human. All of her links are just a quick flick in a press and show notes right below your thumb when you've got your phone in your hot little hand. Listen, as you navigate the very weird world that is smack in the middle of COVID, or if you're listening to this episode in some kind of a post-COVID world, which is one of my favorite phrases to say, post-COVID, so fun, so satisfying. <laughs> right? To how are you doing any, out there? Yeah, how is it? Is there, are we, do we get to hug each other again? Write to us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com with tips, stories of triumphs or fails or questions that you have. We would love to hear them and be with you on this journey. Tracy, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun. feel very honored to be here. And thank you for creating this podcast for people, you know, like out there doing their self-help thing. Thank you for saying that. I couldn't help it. It really was a compulsion. <laughs> and I had to do it. And thank God for Lisa for being willing to, uh, to do this together. She's just the best partner business partner, friend that I could ever ask for. And we're, we're having a blast. Well, she's not here. So I won't hold that against her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Except when she doesn't show up. No kidding. 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 Again, Lisa's doing her own coaching right now. <laughs> Lisa's doing amazing. Lisa's doing yeah, amazing for acting, work in yeah. the world. Yeah. All right. With that, everybody. Life, life is abundance. Bye. Go Help Yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written by the inimitable Matt Sav. Inimitable. There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at gohelpyourselfpodcast on Instagram and at ghypodcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, <laughs> please subscribe, rate, and review because it helps helps other people find our show. You know who else needs to find it? Your friends. Tell all of your friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.